You are listening to Lighthearted, the official podcast of the United States Lighthouse Society. My name is Jeremy Dontremont. Welcome. With me today is my co-host, Cindy Johnson, Operations Manager for Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses and Queen of the Exeter Inn. Hi, Cindy. Hi, Jeremy. I'm not sure how my supervisor would feel about that title, but I'll take it. Okay, well, this is episode one of a two-part podcast on the Gay Head Lighthouse on Martha's Vineyard. And we are recording this a little bit earlier. It's actually, uh, today's April 14th. Is that right, Cindy? I think it is. Um, I'm not, yeah, that <laughs> sounds about right. It's hard to keep track of the days lately. I know, I know, it is. <laughs> but this uh, episode will be released on May 4th. Spring is springing. I see the forsythia blooming all around. And hopefully we'll see our listeners at the lighthouses this summer. But everyone's health is the main concern these days. As we speak, we're all dealing with the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic, and the 2020 lighthouse season is somewhat in question at this point. And because we're in the age of social distancing, Cindy and I are recording today over the phone instead of in person, like we normally do. That's right, but so far so good. I think so. Yeah, we're uh, doing this via Skype line to be exact, and uh, yeah, so far it seems to be working out okay. But it is a little bit different. And as I said, this episode of Lighthearted will be released on May 4th. And I was looking on the internet, and among other things, May 4th is Audrey Hepburn's birthday. She would be 91 on May 4th. And I believe you have a quote from Audrey Hepburn, Cindy. I do. She once said, people, even more than things, have to be restored, renewed, revived, reclaimed and redeemed. Never throw out anyone. Seems like good advice. Yeah, sounds good to me. I think uh, those of us in the lighthouse preservation world need to remember uh, to be kind to each other, along with being kind to lighthouses. Uh, Cindy, did you know that May 4th is also Star Wars Day? I did know that. May the 4th be with you. Oh, thank you. I think uh, maybe we should move on at this point. Uh, Today we'll be talking about one of the oldest and most celebrated light stations in Massachusetts, Gay Head Light at the western end of the island of Martha's Vineyard. I have a personal association with Gay Head Lighthouse that goes back to when I was 9 or 10 years old. Uh, My brother Jim was working in the summer at an inn in Edgartown on Martha's Vineyard at that time, and I visited the island with my mother and our other brother John. Uh, This was back in the mid-1960s. I guess I'm giving away how old I am, but I don't think it's a big secret. I remember going to Gay Head and seeing the view of the uh, Gay Head Cliffs and Lighthouse. I thought the view was the most beautiful thing I had ever seen, and it's still a a very special place to me. Our guests in this episode, Liz Witham and Ken Wentworth, have produced a documentary on the history of the Gay Head Light Station that will soon be seen on public television stations nationwide. Cindy, please help me tell our listeners about Gay Head Lighthouse. Sure, Jeremy. Gay Head Lighthouse stands in one of the most picturesque locations in New England, on top of the 130-foot-tall multicolored clay cliffs at the western edge of the island of Martha's Vineyard, just south of Cape Cod. The Englishman Bartholomew Gosnold, the first European to explore the area, called the headland Dover Cliff 
in 1602 after the famous formation on the English Channel. The gay head name was in common usage by the 1660s. Massachusetts State Senator Peleg Coffin of Nantucket requested a lighthouse at Gay Head in 1796 because of the heavy maritime traffic passing through Vineyard Sound, which is the stretch of water that separates Martha's Vineyard from the Elizabeth Islands in southwestern Cape Cod. The passage between the Gay Head Cliffs on the Elizabeth Islands was treacherous because of a long underwater obstruction called Devil's Bridge. A 47-foot wooden lighthouse was erected, and the light went into service on November 18, 1799. An 1852 report on lighthouses in the United States ranked Gay Head Light as the ninth most important seacoast light, the highest rank of any light north of New York. In 1854, a first-order Fresnel lens was obtained from the Henri Lepote Company of Paris. A new 51-foot conical brick lighthouse was built to hold the enormous lens, which contained 1,008 prisms. A new dwelling was built in 1856. The dwelling was raised shortly after automation in 1956. The Vineyard Environmental Research Institute leased the lighthouse from the Coast Guard in 1985, and then the license was transferred to the Martha's Vineyard Museum in 1994. The town of Gay Head has changed its name to Aquina, which means land under the hill. The town of Aquina took ownership of the lighthouse in February 2015. As of that month, the Save the Gay Head Light Committee had raised $2.5 million toward its goal of the $3 million needed to finance a move of the lighthouse away from the edge of the rapidly eroding cliff. The move to safer ground was completed in June 2015. The lighthouse, which weighs 400 tons, was moved 129 feet by International Chimney Corporation and Expert House Movers, the same team that's moved several lighthouses since the early 1990s. Liz Witham and Ken Wentworth of Martha's Vineyard founded Film Truth Productions in 2003. Their work has won many awards. In 2013, Liz and Ken were recipients of the Walter Cronkite Award for Environmental Media. In 2014, they were awarded with the prestigious Martha's Vineyard Vision Fellowships for their Sustainable Martha's Vineyard documentary series. Their film, Keepers of the Light, about the history of Gay Head Lighthouse, leading up to its historic move, was years in the making. Keepers of the Light premiered at the Woods Hole Film Festival on Cape Cod and has been shown in several festivals and at lighthouse-related venues, including the National Lighthouse Museum on Staten Island, New York. We had a special showing for Friends of Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouses in Portsmouth, New Hampshire last summer. It will be shown on public television stations around the country starting this month. I was planning a visit to Martha's Vineyard a few weeks ago. Unfortunately, because of the situation with the COVID-19 virus, I had to change my plans and delay my trip. Instead of a visit, I did interviews over the phone. On April 4th, I spoke with Liz Witham and Ken Wentworth, producers of Keepers of the Light. Let's listen to that conversation now. I'm speaking today with Liz Witham and her husband Ken Wentworth. The two uh, of them produced the documentary Keepers of the Light about Gay Head Lighthouse on Martha's Vineyard. Liz and Ken, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. This is great. Such a pleasure. 
Well, thanks again. And we are speaking on April 4th, uh, and uh, people will be hearing this about a month later. How are you guys doing in this age of social distancing? Um, well, to be honest, you know, we're in post-production on a film right now, so it's it's a great time to be social <laughs> distancing because we're in the edit room um, cutting cutting the film that we're currently working on. So timing is good for that. So you'd be as far as work goes, yeah. Yeah. And we're here in Aquino where the lighthouse is and uh it's a it is a beautiful place to be. Oh, it sure is. Is the ferry to and from Martha's Vineyard running as usual these days? It is. They they have uh, cut down their schedule a little bit because they there's just not as many people traveling back and forth. So they they're they're working on um a little bit of a amended schedule, but it does run back and forth. Okay. I was curious about that. Liz, uh, your roots are on Martha's Vineyard. Uh, you're a, a lifelong resident of Aquina, and you are a part of the, the famous Taylor family. I thought maybe we should get that uh, out of the way right off the bat. Could you tell our listeners what your relationship is uh, to the Taylors? Well, um, my family, the, the Taylor family, they're a musical family. Um, my mom is Kate Taylor. She has uh, four brothers, and that include James, who, of course, is a, a singer who's well-known, and Livingston, who people also know well, um, and her brother Alex and her brother Hugh, and, and all of them are musicians, and they have very wonderful musical careers that, that I, I have um, enjoyed, you know, being part of as a family member throughout throughout my life. And I will note too that in the film actually um in Keepers of the Light there there's a song about um the lighthouse that was written and sung by my cousin Isaac who is also um Isaac Taylor he's also a musician. That's great. Liz, I'm not sure if I told you this before, but the first rock concert I ever went to was in 1974, and it was Jethro Tull at Boston Garden, and your Uncle Livingston opened for Jethro Tull, which is, is hard to believe, but that, that's an absolute, that's a fact. And I, I saw him later at Boston uh, Common also, and I also saw uh, your Uncle James Taylor on Boston Common in, a, in another concert with uh, Randy Newman. That was a great concert, but anyway... Oh, yeah, I, I might have been at that concert. I remember uh, the Randy Newman. I, I can't remember how that came about that they were singing together, but I do remember being at a concert. So maybe, uh, maybe we were both there at the same time. Oh, that was pretty memorable. And my brother Jim worked a couple of summers in Edgartown and met your your mother and uh, at least a couple of your your uh, your uncles as well. So. We have a little history with the Taylor, I, Taylor family. I should also mention that my mom has a song about the Gatehead Lighthouse. For anyone who's interested in, in those familial lighthouse connections um, in terms of, you know, Taylor family songs about lighthouses, there's, there are several of them. And your Uncle Hugh has a, and his wife have a, have a B&B, don't they, in Aquina? They do. Yeah. So, so what happened was in the fifties, my grandparents, Ike and Trudy Taylor, they started coming to Martha's Vineyard for, for the summertime. The whole family was living down in North Carolina and where my grandfather was the dean of the medical school at UNC. And it was really hot down there in the summer times, obviously. And my grandmother is from Newburyport originally. So she really wanted to bring the family up north in the summertime. So 
they heard about the vineyard. They started coming here. And then um, for some reason, and I, I wish I could ask them, but they've, they've both passed now, but they bought a lot of land um, up in Aquinnah, actually up right near where the lighthouse is. So the top of the cliff area, um, they bought they bought a, many acres of land when it wasn't um, considered valuable. There actually wasn't electricity in town at the time. And it was very far away from um, a lot of the, the, uh, the stores or anything. And um, so, but they, they wanted to buy this land. They did buy this land. And so as a result, um, we've all actually been able to keep living here and so Huey, who owns the Outermost Inn with his wife, Jeannie, they have, they have a piece of that property. And then um, my mom has a piece and uh, we we have a piece and my cousins all have pieces. And um, it just so happens that all of that property is, is very near to the lighthouse. This is a question for both of you. You've uh, certainly experienced Aquina for uh, your, your whole life. Aquina, for people who don't know, for listeners who, who don't know, uh, the western end of Martha's Vineyard uh, historically was known as Gayhead. The name was changed to Aquina not not too many years ago. Again, this is for both of you. What's uh, so special about Aquina as a place to live? Gosh, I mean, the Wampanoag tribe of, of um, Aquina lives here. And I think that is something that really makes this place special and unique and especially interesting because the history here goes back you know, hundreds of years, thousands of years, really. And I just, I don't know many communities that are sort of as tight-knit as this community. Um, there's only about 300 year-round residents here. And it's really kind of like a big extended family. Everyone knows each other very well. And as you, you see in the film, um, not only do people know each other well, but their families have known each other for generations and are still here. So there's sort of this unbroken generational thing over time. It is that sense of community and how strong a bond it is. And how was it saying how, you know, that we actually have a, you know, the Wampanoag tribe here? It, that, that resonates throughout the community in a way of uh, connection to nature in that. So it really is special that way. And it, the, the, the geographical piece of land that is on this western tip that faces the sunsets and uh, is made from the clay scraped up from an ancient seafloor. It's a very unique, it's, it's an incredible ecosystem. The wildlife is amazing here and that, that strong connection to nature. And it's got the remoteness in the wintertime and, um, and then in the summertime you have this influx of life with uh, all these visitors. So it, it's a very unique place to me. Well, it's certainly, it's a special place. I know, uh, you know, I first experienced when I was a kid, uh, when my brother was working on the island. The two of you, most of your prior documentary work was about environmental subjects. Is that, is that am I correct when I say that? Um, I wouldn't say most, but many have been. Um, we've also done them on disabilities and um, death and dying. We've done criminal justice as well as uh, homelessness and mental health issues. So our, our, we do cover social relevant films in, uh, quite often. This was our first um, historical based film. And um, although we do weave into that the sense of community of, the, of place. Well, I'm just wondering what led you to do this project on the Gay Head Lighthouse, because it, uh, it is, as you say, your first historical documentary and quite different from the work you had done previously. 
what happened actually was, you know, it became really clear that the, the clips, the clips are eroding and they've eroded um, over time. And as, as this erosion has happened, it's become clear and was becoming clearer and clearer that the lighthouse was actually in danger of falling over the side of the cliff if it wasn't moved. Um, and I know other communities had grappled with this. Um, Nantucket had a lighthouse that had to be moved and um, a few other places um, had lighthouses that had to be moved. And, and we as a community were looking at this and understanding that, okay, something has to be done. Um, you know, the, we're either going to allow the lighthouse to be lost or we're going to move it. It was a very sort of binary decision. So as people started coming to this con conclusion, there was a, a group that was formed to save the Gayhead Lighthouse. And um, there were people who were doing research into moving it and the history and all the stuff. And as these decisions started to be made and groups started to be formed and a plan started to be made, it really, you know, occurred to me that this would be a really interesting thing to document and that the town itself, I've always thought this town is really fascinating because of the um, the native history here and the small community. And um, there's just, you know, it's a very iconic place. It's one of, you know, the most famous sort of um, places um, because of the cliffs here um, on the vineyard, certainly, and, and in the New England area, it's just, and, and then also the lighthouse is a, is an important lighthouse. It had a first order for now. And so there, for a lot of reasons, it, it occurred to me that, you know, this would be a very interesting thing to document. And it just so happens that we, we live here and we live within the beam of the lighthouse. And so we're sort of in this unique kind of situation where we were able to, to document it. Um, and so that's, that's how the idea um, behind doing this particular thing began was just because we're here, we, we understood a lot of the components of the story. And, um, you know, because we're here, we, we knew we had sort of a unique position to be able to, to cover it. My next uh, couple of questions I was planning to ask you, I think you've uh, pretty much covered them, but I was going to ask you, what does the lighthouse mean to the community of Aquina? It's, uh, it seems to me it's it's kind of a, a centerpiece to the community there. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's really interesting, um, you know, the evolution of the relationship of the lighthouse with the community over time. And, and this is something we tried to capture in the film. Um, when it was first decided that there would be a lighthouse here, it was um, it was early on, actually, uh, Senator Pellen Coffin, um, who was a, a Massachusetts senator from Nantucket, had asked that a light be put here because of um, a, a rock structure in the water called Devil's Bridge. And so when he asked for that, so, so this was sort of like an outsider, um, you know, asking for this, this navigational asset to be put in a location where he didn't live. And actually, um, when the federal government took the property, um, it was the first property to be taken um, by somebody outside of what is now known as the, the Wampanoag tribe of, of Aquina. And the first lighthouse keeper there was a man who came from the next town over and uh, that was Ebenezer Skiff. Um, but yeah, so so that taking of that federal taking of land in a tribal area was certainly um, very interesting at the time. 
And I think that there was was a bit of interaction between the people who lived in this town and the lighthouse keeper over over time. But I think that really um, when the Fresnel lens came, that was sort of a turning point in the sense that uh, when the when the lighthouse was redone uh, to accommodate the first order for now lens in the 1850s, that piece of technology was a really important piece of technology that became a tourist attraction. Actually, for people people came here and um, they were drawn here because of the Fresnel lens. And then I think that actually the Fresnel lens actually drew tourists here, um, and then the tourists sort of fell in love with some of the other aspects of the town, such as the cliffs. They got to know more about the um, Wampanoag community who was living here. But certainly, I think the, the having that lens here uh, really was the thing that started to draw people here to town as, as tourists. And then um, the first Native American lighthouse keeper, um, Charles Vanderhoop, um, he, you know, he was a lighthouse keeper at, at the Gayhead Lighthouse. And that was something I think people in town um, felt very proud of. And um, it, I think that, that really strengthened the connection for sure. Um, to, have, to have a Wampanoag keeper there was certainly something that um, meant a lot to people in the town here. And um, I think that connection you know, the the lighthouse is on one of the the most sacred places for um, people who live in this town. The cliffs are are considered sacred, and um, the lighthouse is something that's important to the people here, and and always has been. And also, I should mention that um, you know, fishing is really something that the local community has done here for generations, and so they need that lighthouse. And, and have used that lighthouse as a navigational tool also. So it's meant a lot of things to people here over time, people in this community of Aquina, and also to, to all the people of Martha's Vineyard. It's, it's been a very important um, lighthouse for us here. What would you say was the most enjoyable part uh, for you uh, making the film? Well, for me... I definitely got a huge um, charge out of doing research about the local history here. Um, there were things that I never knew that, you know, I, I grew up in Aquina. I feel like I know a lot about Aquina. And yet when I did this, um, when I did the research, I realized I, I don't even um, know that much about the town of Aquina. And and the history of it. And so doing that research and connecting some of the dots was really, really great, um, really exciting, and just gave me a, a very strong appreciation for for the history here. Um, yeah. You did research at the National Archives, the National Lighthouse Museum, the Martha's Vineyard Museum, the New Bedford Whaling Museum, worked with the U.S. Coast Guard um, people, and it, it it was just a, bringing the, all these um, pieces of history back to life through all this archival material, and uh, was really amazed at some of the um, ar archival film that we mm -hmm. found uh, from the very earliest days prior to Kodak even um, releasing footage to the public. 
there was a footage shot here on Martha's Vineyard. And um, so that was just amazing to try to be able to bring these, these uh, points in time back to life and, uh, this, and, and, and completing it and, and feeling as if you, you did your best to, to do that. Yeah, to me, uh, one of the best parts of the, the film is that archival footage you found of the, the gay head Wampanoag Indians uh, bringing carts, ox carts of people to the lighthouse. Uh, where did you get that footage? Some of that um, came from this archival, I'm, I'm hoping I'm getting this right, I'm not looking directly at my notes, but um, Northeast archival film i want to say oh um, okay they're in maine you, aren't you, they yeah. yes they buckport, are they're yeah. in buckport maine and i have a really funny story to tell about that <laughs> but um anyway they were they were very kind to uh, i did a lot of internet research and I, I found um some of those clips through them i also um the martha's vineyard museum had some they've they've launched this project uh, to collect old home movies from Martha's Vineyard. So families have, um, and Tom, Tom Dunlop um, leads that charge, um, and he was very helpful. And so, so what has happened over the past, I'd say, decade or so is that many um, local families who have archival footage in their attic or in their collections and, you know, someone passes and they want to make sure that the, the archival footage um, goes into um, some place where that footage could be useful for research or for historic purposes. Um, and so we're lucky here in the vineyard that, you know, there is this collection and that Tom Dunlop, who works for the Martha's Vineyard Gazette um, and the, the Martha's Vineyard Museum as part of this effort, had collected a lot of those things. And I sat with him um, and looked through his collection, and, and he was a huge resource. Let's jump ahead to when the uh, the move of the lighthouse was completed, which is a, a, a big part at the end of the uh, the documentary. What was it like emotionally, just uh, aside from the making of the documentary, what was it like to be there for the uh, completion of the move of the lighthouse to safety? It was actually quite incredible. I have to say that, um, you know, there aren't many events that I've been part of that I would, you know, it's, it's like a, a birth, um, a wedding, you know, this, these, these kind of events where something significant happens and everybody sort of feels that, um, you know, th that energetic shift of, wow, something really significant just happened. Um, and this is changing the course of history. I mean, everybody was completely elated, uh, it, euphoric. Um, I mean, it was, it was actually pretty incredible. And as a camera person's responsibilities in the moment, you're just trying to focus sometimes on what's happening. We have two cameras going at different angles. Uh, trying to capture this exact moment where it goes, you know, to the inch of where it's supposed to be. And uh, so we're, you know, focusing on that. And, and, and we, we were able to accomplish that in an excellent way, I feel. You uh, you did an absolutely great job capturing that moment. The uh, euphoria certainly, certainly comes through. I guess for me, it was like just after the moment that it all happened. And you had, you could like, like just stop and then realize what, what had been you know, completely accomplished, and and in the, the sense of everybody there in our community feeling um, proud about what everyone came together to 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 do. 
Right. I mean, there, there's some things, there's some films that you make that have a natural sort of, um, you know, the storyline where you feel like you're both in the movie and making the movie. Um, and that was one of those points in time where you're both experiencing the movie and you're making the movie. And um, it's, you know, it's just a fascinating thing. And Ken was under the lighthouse getting the shots of the lighthouse, you know, that, that plum bob sort of inching towards the nail that was the, the final spot. And I was um, getting the shots of um, the, uh, um, gosh, then what is the hydraulic handle being pulled down to move it? It's Beverly Wright and um, the famous lighthouse, um, yes, the hydraulic lever on the machine, and they were moving it and listening, um, to Lenny Butler and, and the other people from um, the operation saying stop. And it was just, it was really cool to you know, have my perspective looking at them operating the hydraulic lever and then Ken's perspective was, you know, from underneath the lighthouse. And then we brought our two perspectives together to cut that scene. And it was really fun to be able to see what he was seeing while I was seeing what, what I was seeing. And then we knew a band was coming to celebrate. So we had to like scoot over there to get the band to celebrating <laughs> the, you know, the end of it and everything. So it was really something, and, and you're, you're filming your friends and your neighbors and your community, which is a, you know, a little different than many of the films that we're doing. Well, it came together beautifully. So you've had screenings of the film for lighthouse organizations, including the National Lighthouse Museum, and one of the screenings you had was here in, in Portsmouth for our uh, friends of Portsmouth Arbor Lighthouses group at the Portsmouth Library. So you've had a bunch of those screenings. How's the reaction been in the lighthouse world? Uh, we have had such a positive response to this film. I, uh, I mean, it's really something that makes me so thrilled because this was, you know, it's it's always a huge undertaking to make a film, and then you wonder, you know, did, are people going to get it? Are they going to see what you see? Are they going to like it? Are they going to relate to it? Are they going to pick it apart? You know, I mean, you always go through these things of, you know, I like it, but what is everyone else going to think? And at every screening we've had people the positive response has really been um it, it's totally booing i mean people really love um the nostalgia they love the history they love the the drone footage of the lighthouse and the cliffs and um you know the connection over time and i think everything that people love about lighthouses in general is what they also love about the film um and so we're you know, just proud of that fact that, that those things translated and that, you know, our, I mean, we always are trying to make a film for as wide an audience as possible, but our core audience, our core, core audience for this film are people who love lighthouses. And so, you know, that was our most important audience um, to please with this film. Um, and we were really happy that, um, that, we have been able to do that. For sure. Well, I know our audience here in Portsmouth loved it. <laughs> the reaction was great. Just a little bit more about the lens. You, you mentioned earlier the first order Fresnel lens that became such a, a huge attraction uh, when it was installed in the lighthouse. That lens was on display for quite a few years at the old Martha's Vineyard Museum in Edgartown, and now it's at the new Martha's Vineyard Museum uh, that just opened, let's see, when did it open? It's been, uh, what, less than a, a couple of years now, right? 
And yeah, I was planning to visit that museum in uh, like next week, planning to take a ferry, uh, take the ferry to the island and, and spend a couple of days there. I was really looking forward to that. But with the all the, the virus concerns and everything else, I canceled that trip. Uh, so I'll have to wait a while to see that. But I understand it's a, in, a, in a magnificent setting and a great, uh, you know, great display for the, the lens. Uh, do you want to say a little bit about that and uh, how you feel about that lens having a new new home these days? Yeah, I mean, I, I have to say that um, the the lens in its new home at the at the new improved museum in Vineyard Haven, um, it's absolutely fabulous. You know, we of course went many times to see the lens um, at, at the Agertown location, and one of the issues with that uh, in in the previous location is that it was put in this you know the the housing for the lens was sort of made to replicate um, the top of the gay headlight but as a result when you walked up there you really had to be um, standing really really close up to the the lens which is great but you could never sort of back up and get a, a good look at it um, and when they disassembled that lens in the old museum they actually had it completely restored um some of the gear mechanisms were they were well, rusty they hadn't been used um in several years for various reasons and um, the glass i don't think it, the glass had really been um, deep cleaned for a while so they were able to deep clean the the glass and completely restore the lens um and then they reassembled it in this new location in the new museum um, in Vineyard Haven and there's a whole cafe around it so you can without even you don't even have to pay entry um, to the museum to go to the cafe they have a cafe that's called the First Light Cafe it has a gorgeous view of Vineyard Haven Harbor and um, in that cafe you can look at the the lens there um, and it's just spectacular I mean it's really obviously and clearly and anyone I think you asked will agree with this the, the lens is absolutely the centerpiece of the new museum I am so looking forward to seeing it I'm really sad I couldn't couldn't make that trip I was planning next week but I will get there uh, hopefully this year we'll see what happens but I, I'm lo really Good. looking forward to it you, you're gonna love it uh, it has a lot of great stuff throughout the museum as well of like coastal whaling history um a lot of you know ocean life type of uh history and art and you'll i know that you'll you'll love it for sure yeah, yeah the new museum is wonderful they've done a, they've done a fantastic job but um for yes yeah, for anyone who's particularly interested in lighthouses and lenses um do not miss this opportunity to, to see the lens at the new museum because it's, it's really spectacular you're working on a film now on endangered right whales. Could you tell us just a little bit about that? Sure. Um, so we're we're following the North Atlantic right whale. There's only approximately 400 of them left in the world right now. They're listed on the endangered species uh, list, and um, they uh, give they have uh, the babies calves in the January February Marchish and down in Florida in Georgia off the coast there. And then they travel northward um, on their first year, they'll travel all the way up into the Canadian Maritimes. 
And our film is covering one year in the life of the right whales by using these uh, seven calves that were born last year to um, tell the story of the journey that they go on. And through that, we, as in the Lighthouse film, we're weaving that journey um, uh, with historical flashbacks to different points in time, including whaling history to the Save the Whales movement to the first marine audio recordings and, and other historical events um, that help bring the life of the whales you know, out. And when can we expect to see that? We're aiming for um, this fall, actually, to premiere. If anyone's interested in that project and actually keeping um, posted on what we're doing with it, there, there is a website. Um, it's followthejourneyfilm.com. And while we're on the subject, could you mention your your website for your production company? What is that? Our, our production company is film-truth.com. It's a dash or hyphen, film-truth.com. And then our website for the Lighthouse film is keepersofthelightfilm.com. Okay. Uh, Keepers of the Light is about to be shown on PBS stations nationwide. I believe that's going to be kind of spread out depending on where people are. But uh, when will that be starting? And could you just uh, tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. So, yes, we're distributing um, Keepers of the Light through American public television to public television stations and PBS stations across the country. Um, that release will begin in mid-May. And like you mentioned, um, the rollout, so there won't be one night where all the stations play it. will be a station-by-station basis. Um, it's going to be carried on at least 80% of, of PBS stations, so there's a good chance that um, wherever your listeners are listening in, that their PBS station will carry it. And people can go to our website and sign up for a newsletter to see about the screenings. And there will also be a way to download um, the, the film and stream the film through our website as well. Oh, great. And is there by any chance a DVD available of it as well? There is. There's actually a DVD um, available now. Um, so, so for those people who are interested in um, in watching the film on DVD, I will say that the the DVD uh, version is actually longer um, by about ten minutes than than what you'll see on television because uh, we, we were limited to fifty six minutes and forty seconds by PBS standards. So. We had to cut um, a little bit out of the broadcast version. So if people are interested in, in the full sort of theatrical version that um, we've shown, that um, that is on DVD, and that will also be on the version that's available for download and streaming through our website. Uh-huh. Uh, are you thinking of doing any more projects on Lighthouses? I would love to do more projects. <laughs> you know, Jeremy, uh, one of the, you know, the follow the journey film of about the North Atlantic right whales. We have gone by some of the coolest lighthouses up and down the coast from Florida all the way up to Prince Edward Island and New Brunswick and in Nova Scotia. So there's actually quite a bit of footage of lighthouses in our Follow the Journey film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're definitely, we've gone down the lighthouse rabbit hole, and we are <laughs> complete um, lighthouse lover converts, and uh, we, we, yeah, we, we would love, I mean, any project 
um, that that come across our our table that have to do with lighthouses, we would definitely be interested in engaging them. In this one, we actually filmed the uh, St. Augustine Lighthouse, the uh, Tybee Island Lighthouse, uh, Little uh, St. Simon's Lighthouse. No, I mean St. Simon's Lighthouse. Um, up north, the Campobello and Quadley, is it? West Quadley. Quadley, Quadley, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and uh, so many different places. And I think we did it with our drone just before they made it illegal on most places to actually fly a drone. So, <laughs> huh. this is for yeah for follow the journey. Yeah, we 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 definitely weave in um, to the to the whale film, the ray whale film, um, with a, a way that we're entering and exiting a lot of locations that we've been to for the whale film are entered and exited through shots of lighthouses and in these different locations up and down the coast. And that's a little bit of a nod to. The keepers of the light so yeah so so viewers who watch both of those films will know and actually i would say that um the, the right well film is partially because of keepers of the light um you know while we were doing research for keepers of the light we were researching whaling and sort of but I mean, we've, we've always been aware of right whales on the, um near the vineyard and have been interested in in them um but doing Keepers of the Light really sort of, you know, allowed us to to get a little bit more into the research about whaling and those kind of things. So, so the right whale film in and of itself is sort of, um, you know, a, a kind of a natural progression from Keepers of the Light. Mm -hmm. And lighthouses themselves, like our, uh, you know, the the film about the North Atlantic right whale is also about humanity's relationship with nature. You have these whales that travel through these ecosystems up and down the coast and can kind of tie all of it together, as well as humans' history and relationship with nature, where we hunted the whales to near extinction to now that we're trying to save them. And the lighthouse itself is the symbol of humanity out on these outskirts of these islands where the ocean and land interact. And um, it's just a natural shot to transition when uh, you're going up at the coast and showing that connection to geography and right. relationship to nature. Coastal coastal location signifiers. Well, that's beautifully said by both of you, and uh, I think we could we could talk for for hours about uh, Keepers of the Light, and I I love hearing about your your next film. I look forward to seeing uh, the Right Whale film very much. Uh, and I want to thank you for letting me be part of uh, the making of Keepers of the Light. It was a real uh, joy to be part of it. And if you make any more Lighthouse films, I hope you'll include me in some way. Uh, I would love to be be part of it. Yeah. Uh, Can I, I just say, say um, that, you know, that I, we really appreciate your role in Keepers of the Light. It was a very important role that you played in that film um, in really giving the big picture of the history of lighthouses in this country, which I, I didn't realize when we started out how much of local lighthouse history is also um, dictated by federal history and that, you know, you can predict what happens on a local level by looking on a federal level often with lighthouses. So thank you for helping us to tie together um, the big picture of lighthouse history. Um, I, it, it really, you know, brought so much to the film and was really, really a crucial um, and important aspect of the film. And, and, and thank you. 
Well, thank you, and you're you're so welcome. And again, thank you for letting me be part of it. And what you say is true, but the story of Gayhead Lighthouse is so unique in so many ways, and you really brought that out in your film so so well. So I wish you success with the upcoming uh, screenings on PBS. I know people are going to love it around the country. And uh, continued success with your, your upcoming uh, film on Right Whales and everything else you do. Thank you so much for spending this time with me today. And uh, I wish you all the best and stay well in this, this, uh, these days of uh, social distancing and everything else. Uh, and uh, I guess, like you said, you'd be doing some, a lot of social distancing right now anyway with your, your editing of your, your current project. But, yeah. uh, but again, thank you so much for spending this time with me today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you, Jeremy. It's always a pleasure. Our thanks to today's guests, Liz Witham and Ken Wentworth of Film Truth Productions. To learn more about Liz and Ken's production company, visit film-truth.com. To find out more about Gayhead Lighthouse, including the schedule of tours, go to gayheadlight.org. You can visit the Martha's Vineyard Museum online at mvmuseum.org. Thanks for doing today's recording by phone, Cindy. I hope things are back to normal soon and that I'll be seeing you at Portsmouth Harbor Lighthouse for our open houses. Of course, thank you. And also thanks to everyone with the U.S. Lighthouse Society and everyone everywhere who works to save lighthouses or maritime history of any kind. We are all on the same team. And as always, thanks for listening and... Keep a good light. Oh, in my heart, I'm gonna let it shine.